0: Down on the track, the relay runners getting ready for the final of the men's 4 by 110 yards relay. Lane 4 is Nigeria, Lane 5 Wales, led off by Terry Davis, Lane 6 Trinidad and Tobago, Lane 7 Canada, and Lane 8, right on the outside, the favourites Ghana. Their first man to go is Addy.
1: That is an audio clip from 1966. In actual fact, It was at the Commonwealth Games in Kingston, in Jamaica. The final of the men's 4x110 yards, as it was called then. There was Britain, Canada, Nigeria, Wales, and then the host nation, Jamaica. Ghana was shunted to lane 8. We were tagged the favorites, and Oko was the man who got out of the blocks for Ghana. Well, before we begin, there was some form of construction going on while we were recording this. So you may hear a few unwanted sounds when you think of 1966. Mm-hmm. What comes to your
0: mind? I graduated from the University of Ghana. <laughs> I mean talking in terms of athletics yeah. Oh that was the Commonwealth games mm-hmm. Kingston 1966. Mm. We got a gold medal. Mm. I started a race. Mm. Them. It was a big deal, then.
1: Hi, my name is Yawful Sulami, and this is the Haymaker. The podcast that seeks to tell Ghanaian sports stories distinctively and give meaning to the greatness of yesteryear. If you're listening, thank you. If you're listening, let the world know.
0: This. This. This is The Haymaker. Is The Haymaker. The Haymaker. The Haymaker.
1: The haymaker. On this episode of The Haymaker, i am taking you all the way back to the 1960s, the part of our history that has wildly been known as the glory years, that race in Kingston in Jamaica and how athletics has gone from being the cock of the walk to a mere feather duster. To give me a sense of what that gold medal in Kingston meant, I have come to meet Ebenezer Okoadi. Adi is a sociologist, a scholar, a father, and a grandfather, but long before he was a top athlete for Ghana in the 1960s. Okoadi was born in 1940 and possibly one of the very few octogenarians in this country. I got to his house on a sunny Tuesday morning. He walked up. Open the gates and welcomed me in. Oko is still a fit man. At 83, he still has a pep in his step and his outlook on life is different. In his living room, his medals are framed on the walls with photos of his wife who passed on years ago. Like a conquistador keeps something from his conquests, Okwadi has a file that has all the stories that were ever written about him in the newspapers
0: went to Flagstaff house to see you and puma okay this was agrifin yeah agrifin um uh, this uh, mensa Mm. Uh, upoku musu mensa yeah he used to be one of the good 440 runners okay sam bugre he's now a doctor Mm. rose Hart, Mm. the head of the name uh, this was a he jam Kofi. Mm. Oh, okay mm-hmm. That was me there. Oh wow <laughs> Lovely smile. Yeah we we're faking it. There, <laughs>
1: you, <know. laughs> you notice he mentioned some legendary names in that list of names in Ghanaian sports while he was showing me some old photos. The haymaker will get to every one of those stories in a few months. In the far corner of the room, there is a piano which he plays when he is bored, and then a few artifacts he picked up on his travels.
0: So, 66 was a double whammy, Goodyear track and field. And I was getting ready to graduate from the university. Right on the outside, though, it's Ghana, also going well, Trinidad and Australia closing too. And Garner running beautifully on the outside. The favourite is going extremely well. And Wales are going well through Lynn Davis. Lynn Davis streaking down the back straight. And Garner way, way out in front, right on the outside. Ghana lead. Wales look like being second at the moment. And holes with them. Australia coming. And it's Ghana, Jamaica, Australia, Wales. Garner wins. Second Jamaica, third Australia, fourth Wales, fifth Canada, sixth Nigeria, seventh England, and eight Trinidad.
1: Ghana. Four by one hundred meter champions. That was such an incredible feat.
0: Ghana technically, gold medal, new games record, thirty nine point eight seconds.
1: It was down. immense. The quartet had Ebenezer Kwadi, who you hear from a lot on this episode. Superintendent Kwesi Mens was a policeman. Sergeant J A Adi was in the military, and then Stanley Fabian Alote, who was then a student at the Prempe College in Kumasi.
0: So when you decide to come to a relay team, emphasis is on team. Mm. So we're pretty good. And the way we were selected was so that it was fair to everybody. Mm. The first four were picked to be a member of the quartet. Mm. So there were no hard feelings about favoritism or anything. So the foundation was laid right there during the trials. You know, we picked the best four. Mm. So we knew we were, you know, we knew our strengths.
1: Track and field is such a weird sport. Take the relay race, for example. You have to pass the batons from one person to the other and get to the finish line in under 40 seconds to win. But to get that time, you must have done six to seven months of training. So practice, therefore, becomes the bread and butter of the athletes. They need to know each other running speed, and how the batons will be handed. In Ghana's case, coach Argentete was the best man then. Argentete made well-drilled robots out of the young men. In Adi's mind, though, there was another thing that helped the bond get even better.
0: It's not tribalistic or anything. Mm. I was a girl, uh, men's, had lived in Accra. So we all spoke ga. Okay. Adi was my cousin, mm. Aleche was a guy, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, Charlie Tete what he, you know, so we you know are you know we're, we're that close. Yeah. And then our coach, Ajin Tete, okay. he insisted on perfection. Mm.
1: This time, Okwadi is a bit more relaxed and even more involved in the interview. He was a sportsman in the 1960s, and Ghana now is really a far cry from what those glory years were. At the Commonwealth Games in those years, we were flawless. Journalist and sports historian Fenchio Tahiru fencho who specializes in the Commonwealth Games and the Olympics, thinks those years meant so much to everyone who lived in that era.
2: Well, I have to say that, you know, when you go to Ghana, the history of Ghana sports, the 60s definitely represented our most successful periods, in my opinion. Um, Of course, we won two Afghan titles in 63 and 65. Um, But also, in the athletics events, in the multi-sport events, um, that was the period where we accumulated the most medals at, you know, international events. Take the 1962 Commonwealth games for example it's one of those events where ghana was heavily represented you know and uh, we won nine medals at that competition um three of them were gold medals including two in boxing uh, from clement corte and eddie um, blay and eddie blay for me arguably is ghana's greatest amateur boxer he also represented the country at the 1960 olympic games in rome Uh, He even stayed in Rome a few few years after uh, the Olympic Games. That was where he met the mother of his son, who is uh, the famous radio presenter that we all know him as Eddie Blay. His father, uh, Eddie Blay Sr., um, was a very successful amateur boxer. He fought professionally as well after those games, but um, not as successfully as he did during his amateur years. He won a gold medal in the 1962 Commonwealth Games. At that competition, Ghana also won um, a silver medal in the 4x110 meter yards, is what it was, which is now the 4x100 meter relay. Uh, the quartet of Bornames, Bukari Bashiru, uh, also Michael O'Canty, and Mike Ahi, the famous Mike Ahi, Many people know him. By the way, Mike Aki also won a long jump gold medal in that very competition.
1: Ghana actually had a good time in 1962 at the Commonwealth Games in Perth in Australia. There was a bronze medal that came in the 4x420 yards which is now known as the 4x400 meter relay race. A significant member of that team was Okuadi's cousin James Adi who won the gold medal in Kingston 4 years later in the sprint relay. J.A. Adi was a beast on the tracks. He did everything. In the books of many historians, he is the greatest Ghanaian sprinter ever. He had the ability to compete across all the sprint events in the 100 meters, 200 meters, 400 meters and then in the relays. He holds the record for the most Olympic appearances in the history of this country. He competed in four Olympic Games from 1960 to 1972 in Munich.
2: 66 okay which was also a commonwealth games and if you remember for many people who go through the internet every now and then you see a very famous video of ghana's 4x100 meter relay team winning gold over jamaica that's the competition we are talking about because there ghana elevated their silver medal from four years before uh in uh, in pad to a gold medal and in those games uh, of course, the quartet was Ebenezer uh, Okoda Adi, Ebenezer Oko Adi, who happens to be the cousin of James Adi. In that competition, they set a games record uh, as well in that in that final, beating Jamaica and all those others in the process. At that competition sister 66, Ghana also won nine medals. The difference between the 66 Commonwealth Games and the 62 Commonwealth Games was that in sister six, out of the nine medals, five of them were actually gold medals, including... Three in boxing uh, as well. And, you know, when we talk about the boxing, Eddie Eddie Blaine won another gold medal in 66 in in Kinstein. But, you know, um, if you talk about, like, what happened in the 60s and what have you, the success story was, was immense. It was great. The happiness that always greeted the nation every time they competed, it was enormous. And Ghana was a true powerhouse.
1: 1966 may not have been a good year politically for Ghana, because it was the year Osajifu Dr. Kwame Nkrumah was overthrown. But it was a good year for sports. The team that went to the Commonwealth Games was so good, they had left Ghana's name on the lips of everyone who went out there to watch them. Journalists around the world wrote stories. The BBC kept running story after story on a small West African nation that had come to the Games and done big things.
0: It was a big thing, you know, the, the coup had taken place in uh, February. So, military were still, you know, in charge. Uh, we went to the castle to see uh, General Ankara. And, um, you know, the Commissioner Harley and the rest of the hierarchy, I think a fire, you know, major, he was then the major. You know, They were all there at the castle, you know. and. Uh, shook hands, you know, and uh, congratulated us and told us the usual thing, you made us feel proud and everything. Mm. They didn't give us any money, though. No. So, <laughs> now in those days, athletics and sports wasn't too much money-oriented in, you know, in those days. Mm. Lately, you know, it's, it's about money. Yeah. But we're very happy to represent the Ghana Ghana mm. make it, make Ghana feel proud mm. of us. Mm and of Ghana, mm. and um, got a chance to travel outside the country.
1: Yeah. General Ankara took over in 1966 after the coup and took plaudits and praise for the work of the athletes. But the man who had done the work was Nkrumah. Okwadi tells me Nkrumah was a man who loved sport. He wanted the world to hear of Ghana, and in his mind, one of the best ways to do that was through sports. So he set up the central organization for sports and put the legendary Ohinijan in charge of it. In those days, there weren't that many associations as we have now. Everything was centralized, Ohinijan controlled every sport, knew how much of a mammoth task he had been given by Nkoma and worked assiduously to align with his vision. Jan also had absolute control over money so he went around the country scouting the best track athletes, footballers, boxers and even hockey players. There was a focal point and Ohinijan sat atop like Zeus on Mount Olympus and watched everything.
0: They had good coaches. We had the, mm. luckily for the boxers they had Roy Ankara. Mm. If anybody knows Roy yeah. Ankara, he was the first. The great Roy. Yes, the first Ghanaian uh, boxer who I think it was Ronnie Clayton,
1: yeah.
0: you know, in the um, 50s, uh, mid-50s, so I was 14 then. So, you know, he even came to our school, in government junior school, to give us some um, colinox, it was tooth- toothpaste, you okay. know, and they were very happy. You know. Government school, we 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 used to boast, we had the best, you know, it was government school, so, you know, we didn't lack of any resources and so people came there so we're very happy Mm. but you know they they had who was very strict and you know so we we got a few gold medals you know in the games Mm. you know in those days um we took it seriously it was because we organized
1: everyone who grew up in the 1940s through to the 1950s had an affinity to Nkoma in 1947 he returned to Ghana after he accepted the invite of J.B. Dankwa to join the United Gold Coast Convention as his general secretary. The children then had heard so much about the man, it left many of them wondering. There was an air of invincibility around the man. He wasn't reclusive or camera shy, but there was still this mystique about him. Albeit his extensive education abroad, he came across as the common man's man and gained a lot of followership from that. He was nicknamed Showboy, a tag born out of the extreme adulation for him. In
0: 1948, I was in class two. He used to live with uh, Bedema, Komla Agbeli Bedema, at Adabaka. and uh, we lived down the street. So every morning when I was going to go to school, we go and watch him brush his teeth, you know. It was a big thing, you know, you go to, Kwe! Brush in, you, know, and, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was something that we both said about. So, and um, in those days, too, on Saturdays, he used to come to the house of E Eonii Okanse. He was the first uh, minister for parks and gardens in those days. The Berema Okansi and a few of the resource guys, you know, took Nkrumah in. So we would go to Okansi's house and, you know, he had a band playing and Nkrumah would be there, you know, for a little while, in an hour or so, mm. you know, and 20. So we knew him. And uh, there were so many stories about show showboy, you know. Mm. Uh, sometimes they say, oh, he would disappear, you know, you know. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: Nkrumah lived in those days in Lagos Town, the suburb that has become known as Accra New Town. The kids knew and they seized every opportunity to go there and catch a glimpse of him. Before the National Theatre was built years later, the area where an arena for plays was is in Accra Central and Nkrumah loved a good play setup so he was mostly there on the weekends. In the struggle for independence, that area was typically where the Convention People's Party met. The shouts for freedom, the chanting of independent songs with Nkrumah, Koboiduse, Bedima, and others all took place there.
2: Ghana, we now have freedom. Freedom. Ghana, land of freedom.
1: Ghana was still in their coming-of-age times in those years. Socially, everything seemed well and good.
0: So there was a very vibrant, middle-class society, you know, and they went to their ballrooms at Roger Club, where the present Ghana Bank is located, a mm. Club used to be
1: there.
0: Mm. And it was for the lawyers and so on. The middle class guys went to Checheku um, Sea View Hotel. Um, was it? Uh, Tiptoe Tiptoe Gardens? Yeah. You know. And then the rural people had the concerts Kakeku. UK, Yemen, you know, um, just a couple of them. Um, so stratification, but everybody had a piece of the action in terms of entertainment. Okay. So and then the political atmosphere was very charged. You know, um, people really—it so was a mass movement, you know—to to freedom, freedom. Was a catchword. Yeah. Uh, the position wanted independence the shortest possible time. Mm. Nkuma wanted independence now, self government now. Mm. So he set the stage as again, the, the masses mm. plus the intelligentsia. Yeah.
1: At this point, Oko and I had taken a long detour from sports and were discussing social life in Ghana in the 1960s. Oh, how the baby boomers enjoyed life back then.
0: Uh, if you went there for the bus at 8 o'clock, the bus would show up. Mm. Uh, things worked. You had people, you know, the, uh, the sanitation guys coming to clean the streets, the mm. gutters mm. and everything. And I, I think mainly because it was they were dealing with the smaller size also. See now that um you we were them four million, you know, now we are thirty million. So I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm not a politician. But that's one of the reasons why things are probably not as organized as they were.
1: Okwadi grew up in Adabraka and went to the government junior school.
0: Government junior school my some of my classmates were your present the president uh, President Nando, mm. he was my my classmate at Elementary School. Wow! Right through to Lagos. Okay. Mm-hmm. And at Lagos, I lived at Nego, I used to drive his car and gear. He had a, you know, one of a few students with, with a car, you know. <laughs> a, we used to play, go and play in his house. Mm. You know, they used to live first of all in uh, Koloko, near uh, Saint, was it, the Children's Hospital
1: oh okay
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah you know the in that area and a little thing a funny story that sticks to my mind every time it will rain you know we'll, we'll close half half day mm. they had a car mm. you know my, my father had a bicycle <laughs> so now my grandmother lives in the palladium yeah and we are in anabaka right yeah. then i will call about three of us three good friends myself Gorman and Okai, we we'll ride in the car, and then he they would drop us in his house. Of course, mm-hmm. I walk from koroko to Palladium to see my grandmother, who give me something, and then give me a, a bus fare to walk to post office mm-hmm. to catch the bus to Adaraka. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted I wanted to ride, you know. Yeah. <laughs> i get home and my poor dad will be waiting for me.
1: He did high school in Takrade in 1957 and was one of the pioneers of the Sith form level at the Fijai Secondary School. Schooling at Fijai was a watershed moment for him. That was where he found athletics, loved it and knew he wanted to make a career out of it.
0: I won the 100 yards in the Western region, regional finals. And then they brought us to Accra. Mm. Nobody had heard about Fiji. Mm. Fiji who? You know, in France Accra Academy, uh, I decided the loud guys. <laughs> 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 uh, some of my best friends are from I decided. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, they didn't know. Adehu. But when we finished the games, they knew who Isio Adi was, you know, so we put Western region on the map.
1: In 1963, Adi got into the University of Ghana and that was where his career in athletics took off to incredible heights. All of Okwadi's track records were set in Legon. In actual fact, his 200-meter record at 21.05 seconds is still there and it is a record that has been standing since 1964 57 years and counting from your story you ideally got mainly into athletics in 1961 yeah from 61 to 66 so from 61 to 66 you Mm -hmm. you had started in 61 Mm -hmm. and within five years Mm -hmm. you were already in kingston yes sir yes sir how 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 was that did you were you able to think about how much you've achieved
0: i was just a late bloomer I knew I, I could there was no doubt in my mind no, I don't I'm not a very good talker about what I can do. I'll show you what I can do you know. But I knew that uh, when I looked at the times, you know of the other students, uh, I knew if I, I was given the chance and the opportunity, you
1: know I'll do well. Athletics has always been a big deal for Ghana. They are legends of the sports from Mike Ahe to Okwadi and his cousin James, or Hine Kakari, Alice Anoum who was the original baby jet in the 1960s just for how fast she was on the tracks and many more. The hunger for it has only dwindled because of consistent failures in competitions, inadequate training facilities for athletes, and then administrative lapses that have cost us dearly as Fentu Tahiru elaborates.
2: Athletes. It happens to have this history of, you know, administrative lapses always denying the country an opportunity to go from um, one step to the very next step. And there is a whole catalogue of mishaps administratively that has denied Ghana. Otherwise, what would have been like enormous glory? And I'll take you back to the 1984 Olympic Games in, in, in Los Angeles. All right. Um a day before the competition, two famous athletes, part of the Ghana team, were actually kicked out of the competition. And Osabing and Fred owusu they were set to compete in the 400 meters. And you won't believe this. They were sacked from camp. And this is 1984, because they went out of the camp to roam about in, the, in Los Angeles, and they never came back. They spent days without coming back to camp. So when they came back to camp, they were told that they they, they had been suspended. But days later... Uh, Ghana discovered that they couldn't actually raise enough athletes to compete in the relay. So they were pleading with, uh, or in particular, to come and run the relay. And he said, he actually told him in the face that he knows there is no rule against athletes leaving camp. And he was being very sarcastic. Fast forward to the 1990 Commonwealth Games. And this one is, was very eventful. And this was in, in Auckland, in, in New Zealand, because it was in that competition that the relay team got disqualified. And you know the reason? They run in the wrong lane. After the disqualification, gregor or say, and Lord Cujo absconded. They were looking for them everywhere in in New Zealand. They didn't find them. And then Augustine Inketia, who. Uh, was later known or many people know him as Gas Nketiah, he stayed back in in New Zealand and he switched nationalities to compete for New Zealand. So the next year, 1991, he was already competing for New Zealand and he actually set the New Zealand record in 1991. He stayed there and he still lives in New Zealand. He actually gave birth to a son, Adios Ketia, who is now competing for New Zealand. And you won't believe this. Uh Gary record, 100 meter record for Australia, which he set in 1991, stood for 28 years. And one person broke that record finally in 2022. And you believe there's no money for guessing who broke that record. His very son. Uh, you know, so it's a it's a really amazing
1: story. Inquett was one of the gems we lost to another country due to a poor system. We lost Ignatius Gaze as well to the Netherlands. Athletes leaving the Olympic village unchecked, and a host of other mishaps have done this country in many times at world events. In 1996, possibly the strangest Olympic story happened to us.
2: 1996 for me, this was probably the most, <laughs> the most epic uh, Olympic Games. Again, the relay team. Dramatic. They made the final. The quartet was Abu Dia Aziz Zachary, Abed Ajman and Eric in cancer. They survived the heat They survived the semifinals. They made it to the final. Now, this is where the drama started. Right In the final, Ghana made the decision to substitute Eric in cancer for Christian Asia, apparently in cancer was injured. Now, if you have to substitute, the laws are clear. One hour before the race, you have to have made those changes. Ghana missed the deadline to make the changes, and then they put Christian Asia there. So when they were going out, they told them that they had been disqualified. The Ghana authorities said... No they had not been disqualified. And they sent the athletes out there. They went out onto the track and the officials insisted that they had been disqualified. So on the tracks, in the glare view of global television, Ghanaian athletes and officials were arguing with Olympic authorities over whether or not their athletes had qualified. And you won't believe this. It took the authorities, security officers, to come in and tell the Ghanaian athletes that they didn't have to, 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 to they, they couldn't participate in the race.
1: It is unbelievable, but all those are real stories. In the case of the quartet team at the 1996 Olympics, the one who had to make the changes had gone shopping and sightseeing and had forgotten the rules of the games. Okwadi lives alone in his house in Hacho. He lives a very quiet life. There is a big manicured lawn he sits in to read in his down times and has devoted much of his life to the church. He still loves his sports and will want to see Ghana do well in the coming years.
0: From my perspective, I had the benefit of the centralized system and it worked for Ghana. If you look at where we are now because of its decentralization, number one, and the lack of resources, you know, um, in terms of It's not easy to buy, you know, track, track shoes and, you know, shoes, they were very expensive, so somebody must, you know, and number two, in those days, we had um, track before football matches, Mm. Mm. you know, it was open, you know, and it was fun.
1: The gold medal in Kingston in 1966 is the last one this country has ever won. Okwadi walks past his in his house every day, and looks at it with pride. There are days he sits to reminisce, and then there are other days when people send him the clip of the race. The memories are great, and Okwadi made many of them. He is still plowing through life, looking on for more days and using every opportunity to pay tribute to his wife the late Mrs. Marianirama Adi, the first quiz mistress of the National Science and Math quiz. If you are ever asked to mention legends of sports from this country, always remember Ebenezer Charles Okoadi and that gold medal in Kingston in
2: 1966.
1: Thank you for making time to listen to yet another episode of The Haymaker. If you have an interesting sports story you'd want us to tell, kindly send it to me on theyaofusu at gmail.com and please subscribe to this podcast channel. This episode was produced and presented by me, Yaofusu Labi, and edited by Joseph Agri.
2: Manchin must send me mao. Levia Casa may hoo ye. Manchin. Masemimbao.